Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray you are inspired by their teachings. Can we praise the Lord this morning for who he is? Would you pray with me? Oh, Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you that when we come together and worship, we get a glimpse of your glory. God, that you tell us there's power when two or three are gathered together in your name. So, Father, we worship you today. God, we pray that what you have begun to do, that as your word says, God, you will bring into completion in our hearts. So, Father, we continue to invite your Holy Spirit today into this church, into our lives, into our our burning hearts into these moments that we would fall down and say hallelujah Lord we surrender to you today Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit of God come in this place through the computer screens and everywhere else meet us and may we listen name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Those of you who are here, welcome. Good morning. Watch it online. Good to be with you as well. Uh, I'm excited to be with you this morning. In fact, I'm going to do something a little bit different than what I would normally do. Uh, you see, actually I had this uh, encounter with Jesus this week. And uh, I'm just going to speak straight from the heart today. Not that we don't normally do that, but I'm just going to do it a little bit differently. You see, as I was preparing for this message, uh, I felt like the Lord was leading me on what to say, and I knew that there were certain passages I needed to talk through, and uh, I sat down to write this message like I normally do, and normally when I write a message, just to give you an inside glimpse into things, um, I normally shoot for about 2,800 words. And so I write the words on the paper and I stick to what I write down. Otherwise, you're going to get a preacher up in front of you that rambles a lot. uh, And I get distracted easily. And so I sat down to write and I have to tell you, I couldn't get over 1,500 words. And it was really strange and nothing was working out and I couldn't get the order right. And I I was grinding and moving things around and and praying. I'm like, all right, I don't know what to do. And eventually it became 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. My notes were due Wednesday night and I had run through in the morning. We do a run through every Thursday morning. And I I reached the point of being tired and frustrated and uh, well, I said, I'm going home. I don't know what that means for tomorrow, but I'm going home. So I got in the car and I was driving on the way home and, you know, pretty pretty frustrated. Normally I feel like I have some more clarity by this point. I say, okay, God, I'm driving, turn the radio off. God, I'm missing something here. What do you want to do, God? What, what am I supposed to speak? How am I supposed to do it? And I don't normally come to you saying the Lord has spoke to me, but as I was riding there, Driving home, I felt it wasn't audible, but it was very clear. A message from the Lord for his church, for you, for me. He said, tell my people that I want to spend time with them. 
Tell them. Tell them that I want to spend time with them. I was like, God, like that's all throughout the Bible. <laughs> we know. He said, no. Tell my people I want to spend time with them and, and go through the scriptures. And I felt it really impressed upon my spirit to cut out all the other stories and the fun anecdotes and the different ways that, uh, you know, we communicate to help people understand a point. Strip them away. And stick to my word. So I went home to my wife and I said, honey, this is like 1130. I was surprised she was still awake. Honey, this is what the Lord's saying. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I'm terrified. Because I'm going to get up in front of people and they're going to think that I didn't prepare for this. I have nightmares about this stuff, believe me. And she started crying. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, she said, David, you have to share that. You need to be faithful. So we're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us today. We're going to get into some scripture. And I've tried my best to prepare the guys in the back with lots of scripture, but there's even scriptures in, uh, that we're going to go over today that uh, they don't even have. And if you're expecting to be entertained today, you came on the wrong day. I'm sorry. Well, no, I'm not. <laughs> We're going to stick to the word because I, I, I came and I met with our team Thursday morning and I said, guys, and I, and I sat right down there where these, these altars are. We're going to have an altar call at the end of service today. We took the altars out when COVID hit and we got to the end of the run through. Let me back up. I told you I'd bounce all over the place. I sit down with these guys and I said, this may blow up the service order, but the Lord has shared something that I need to speak. And I, I started to talk, and out of the blue, I said, the Lord told me to say, and I literally just started sobbing here on the front of the altar here, which isn't like me. I don't like to cry. And I couldn't get the words out, and Pastor Carlos, who runs our Spanish ministry, says, hey, we need to pray. After he prayed for me with Pastor John, I was able to look at him and say, God has a word for this church. I want to spend time with you. So that's it. We got to the end and we said, so I'm just going to lay it all out here. Normally we get to the end and I tell you what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do today. We're going to go through scripture. We're going to reflect on the fact that God wants to spend time with you personally. You, not us you, individually. And then, that's why the room is set up a little weird. You're going to have an opportunity to make an altar at your seat, to change your posture, or to even come down front and kneel at one of these chairs. But it's going to be intensely personal. This is between you and God and no one else. Okay? Everyone give me a thumbs up if we're good to go. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go all throughout the Bible. I'm going to start in Exodus chapter 33. I've been doing, open up your Bibles if you want, follow along. We should have some of it up on the screen. Exodus chapter 33. We've been doing the Bible in one year as a church, and uh, there's been a story that keeps sticking with me. Exodus 33, you see, God had led the people of Israel through Moses out of Egypt, out of exile, and God is in the process of giving them the Ten Commandments. 
telling them how they are to live their lives. And something special happens between God and Moses. Exodus 33 Whenever Moses would need to meet with God about something, he would go to this tent. It was called the tent of meeting. And as he would go to the tent of meeting, this pillar of cloud would come down and rest at the entrance of this tent. Representative of the presence of God. Check this out. Exodus 33. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses And the people would watch. And in verse 11 it says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Do you know that God desires to speak to your face as one speaks to a friend? A true, genuine relationship where you can spend time together. A relationship that extends beyond pleasantries. The weather is nice today. No. A true deep relationship where you can talk about things, laugh together, and just spend time together. It's a relationship God had with Moses. And so Moses started to see a little bit of the glory of God. And we're going to talk about presence and glory here a little bit. Here's what it means. The glory of God is the actual presence of God. And the Bible describes it as a weight something that rests on people, and when it does, when you're in the presence of it, it purifies, it transforms, it moves hearts, it changes, and so God is with Moses, and and they're having this conversation, and Moses said to the Lord in verse 12, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And the Lord replied in verse 14, my presence, my glory will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses replied, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. God, if you're not going to go with me, I don't want to go anywhere. God, send your presence with me. Then Moses asked something bold, audacious. We just sang about it a little bit ago. He said, then Lord, show me your glory. Now show me your glory. God, show me who you are. God, I've had conversations with you, but God, I want to know more of you. Show me your glory. And God said, I'll I'll do it. But you can't see my face, for no one may see me and live. But then the Lord said in verse 21, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. The glory and power of God as something that is so powerful, so amazing that people could not see the face of God for they would die. And even then, in this time on earth, 
back in the days of Moses. Moses was the only one that we know of that would be, quote-unquote, face-to-face with God in conversation with him around the glory of God. But even Moses couldn't fully experience the glory of God. But when he did, even that peace, something weird happened. He went out and brought the Ten Commandments down to the people and started talking to them about how God would have them live, and they noticed that his face was shining. And it actually terrified people because what was happening is the glory of the Lord was reflecting off of his face so much so that he had to take a veil and cover his face. They couldn't handle it. The Bible says in chapter 34, verse 34, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. We're gonna talk a little bit in a little bit through some scripture that shows us that this glory that he found, even as he was with God, would eventually fade. But he had to keep it covered because people were terrified. God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. God, I want to speak to you as a friend. God, I want to reflect who you are, God. I want to see your face, God. Have we said these prayers before? Tell my people I want to spend time with them. I want to move to Matthew chapter 17. It's the transfiguration of Christ. I couldn't get away from this passage when I was preparing. I had a couple other passages I was looking at, but this is clear that I'm supposed to talk about. Matthew 17. Jesus, prior to this in Matthew 16, had just told his disciples and followers that he was going to be killed, but that three days later he would be resurrected. And he says, take up your cross and follow me. Six days after that conversation, Jesus took with him in chapter 17, Peter, James, and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, Jesus took his best friends with him. The same three that he would take with him into the Garden of Gethsemane, the night he was betrayed, the people that he trusted, and these three people he wanted to show something to. You see, we have Peter, who Jesus declares would be the rock of his church. We have James, who would become the first apostle that was martyred for his faith. And we have John, who would become the beloved one who would receive a revelation of God that we read about in the book of Revelation. And the Bible says there, he, that's Jesus, was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter so moved, he looks at him, Jesus, and says, hey, I don't want this moment to end. I want to, let's, let's set up some tents and let's just hang out together. This is pretty amazing. But while Peter was speaking in verse 5, 
It says a bright cloud, remember that, covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. These are words from Jesus' baptism. We've heard these words before. But he adds something new. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Follow him. Know him. Follow what he says. You see, I was reflecting on this passage because all throughout Scripture we find these themes of light and dark that God represents light. And when God in his truest form he shows up, there is light there. Check this out. So we're going to jump around. John chapter 1. Then we're going to be in Revelation 19. Prepare yourselves. John chapter 1, verse 4. In him, this is Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, he created the world. The word of God, Jesus there at the beginning, speaking the world into existence. Though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet... To all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, favorite part. The word became flesh. Jesus was the word, transfigured, became flesh, and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. The Gospel of John starts out with the transfiguration of Christ. Where he becomes like us and dwells among us. When God shows up, there's light. There's something that happens, and what Peter, James, and John get to experience is something that will be seen again at the end. Check this out. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven. This is a revelation John received. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Goosebumps, come on. 
that they were at the transfiguration getting an experience of what Jesus looks like when he's coming back to rule and to reign. That this Jesus who would be crucified, died, and resurrected when he returns again is going to look a little different. That he's going to come in power with authority and he's going to rule with an iron scepter and destroy the enemies of God. He's going to shine like the sun. We find, after he says, listen to him. The Bible says when the disciples heard this in Matthew chapter 17, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Here's a couple of things that had happened here. Jesus was transfigured with Moses and Elijah. Moses, the giver of the law. Uh, Elijah, one of the key prophets in Israel. And as he's transfigured, Jesus is taking his place above the law and above the prophets. He's taking his throne there. And as this glory of God descends in a cloud upon the disciples, just as we find all throughout Scripture, they're terrified and they fall to the ground, but then something changes. Something unique. Whereas they're terrified, Jesus goes over to them. He says, get up, don't be afraid. For now you can look into my face. I want to know you. You can know God. You can know God. You can know God now. People didn't know God before. They knew the law and the prophets, but they didn't know Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Move over to Acts chapter 4. After the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God came in, in power, came in light, came in fire, and it filled the hearts of believers. And we have these disciples, Peter, James, and John, who actually, when they were with Jesus in the garden, abandoned Jesus. They fled from Jesus. They had even seen Jesus transfigured, but they still fled. But when they received the Holy Spirit, something happens. They start to go out, and they, they start telling everyone, Jesus is alive. Jesus has been resurrected and as they're going, people need healed and they start doing what Jesus did because they spent time with Jesus and they start healing people and what happens is they are arrested, Peter and John. I don't know where James is right now. Peter and John arrested. They end up in jail. I wonder if they remember what happened that night. When they fled from Jesus, Jesus was arrested and crucified the next day. But something was different because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're brought in front of the Sanhedrin, the priests, and they asked them this, and I imagine this is the question they were waiting for. Have you ever been prepared for a moment saying, if this moment comes, this is what I'm saying? This is their moment. Sanhedrin said, by what power or what name did you do this? What gives you the right to do this? 
Then Peter, the Bible says, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. By the name of Jesus. Verse 12, it says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Church, that's a message for us. There is no other name but the name of Jesus by which we can be saved. Guys, we search for all sorts of other places. We try to find salvation and hope in all sorts of other people, places, and things. And what God is saying, and it's really simple, I want to know you. I want to spend time with you. In Sanhedrin, in verse 13, it tells us what they saw. It says, when they saw the courage or the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary people. Sounds like us, right? They were astonished. They were in awe. They were amazed. And here's my favorite part, okay, out of all of this. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. You know that when you're with Jesus, you start acting like Jesus? That when you spend time with God, you start acting like God. When you spend time in his word, you start speaking like the scriptures. What would it look like for us when we walk around and, and it's hard, we got these masks on all day. We got veiled faces. What would it look like for people to look at us and say, wow, they've been with Jesus, something is different there. Church, I love you, but a lot of y'all got grumpy faces. You don't look like you've been with Jesus. That's scary. I do it too. I ain't pointing the finger there. But what would it look like for us to say they've been with Jesus? For our kids to look at mom and dad and say, something different about dad. Wow. Mom's face glows. You know, I was reading in my Bible app the other day in the Bible in one year that uh, Nicky Gumbel was giving this devotion about how before he followed Jesus, there were these weird people on his college campus that always had a smile on their face and it, he said he felt like they glowed. He said, I avoided those people. <laughs> do we ever do that? Someone's just a little too happy for our taste and we avoid them. And he said, and then I found Jesus and I realized why they were smiling. They'd been with Jesus. Could it be said of your life that you've been with Jesus? It can't be said of your life that if you don't spend time with him. If you don't spend time praying, if you don't spend time in his word, because I want to end with this one passage over here. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. I'm going to talk about transformation. 
Because one of the realities about transformation, when Jesus was transfigured, I looked it up and I said, okay, what does this mean when Jesus is transfigured? And, and I, I dug into the, the Greek, and I'm not going to bore you with the words, but there's a couple of root words there that talk about what transformation really is. The first part of transformation, the first word that we find is this idea that we are transformed by who we spend time with. We're transformed by who we spend time with. And then there's this, this second part that said transformation shows when what is happening on the inside of us starts being reflected externally. That when we spend time with Jesus, transformation happens. That when you spend time with Jesus, things change. When you spend time with Jesus, you change. Your heart changes. And now, because of what Jesus did, we actually have this really awesome, unique ability to see the face of God. To look into the face of God. You see, Moses was the guy that could only do it back in the day. But then because Jesus died for us, we also find in Scripture, there's this story about when he died and he exhaled, the veil from the temple was torn in two and people had access to God. That's why he came. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, therefore, starting in verse 12, for those of you following along, therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. He veiled the glory of God even though it was fading. We're not like that. He says, but their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed. Because only in Christ is it taken away? Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17 here. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of God is, there's hope. Where the Spirit of God is, there's freedom. There's freedom from all of the things that we try to control, all the things we try to hide, all the things that we try to veil. He's saying, follow me, I'm gonna remove the veil and you're gonna walk in freedom. Spend time with me. Verse 18. And we all, who with unveiled faces, reflect the Lord's glory. Reflect. Reflect is in a mirror. We with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. When you spend time with Jesus, you start to reflect him. You're not the source of light. You aren't the source of hope. Jesus is. 
And Jesus' desire is to spend time with you so it may reflect off of your hearts, reflect off of your faces. And as you do that, as you reflect him, your life will be transformed. You'll be transfigured. Why was Jesus transfigured before them? I believe he was transfigured to show them the transformation that he wanted to make complete in their lives. The disciples. To show us the transformation of what he wants to make complete in our lives. And it's simple. I wanted to come at you with steps today, like four steps towards transformation. But the Lord has been clear. He wants to spend time with you. That's it. He wants to spend time with you. We're going to take time at the end of our service. And as I talked about, we kind of maybe have these altars here. But one of the other things we find in Scripture that uh, the altar wasn't a specific place, but it's where our heart is. Sometimes you can create an altar where you're at, at your seats, on your couch, at the kitchen table, or even down front here. But I feel like the Lord has also been very clear to me today that as you make your altar today, and we're going to, I prepared you for that in the beginning. This is between you and Jesus, no one else. So I don't want to see someone come to the altar and people around them. This is between you and God because God desperately wants to be with you alone. Surrendering your heart, saying, God, I want to spend time with you. God, I want to know you. God, speak to me today. So I'm going to invite you in a moment. We're going to sing this song called Nothing Else. I don't want anything else but Jesus. Nothing else will do. And you have a moment with Jesus. Just you. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, it's really simple. Maybe this is your moment you can give your heart to Jesus. Where you say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I surrender to you. Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Lead my life. You know, when you say that prayer with your heart, you can trust that God hears it and you are walking with Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. You guys are going to come out and we're going to sing this song. Posture yourself in a posture of prayer, of worship. Get down on your knees if you need to. Bow your head and fold your hands. If that's what works, stand to your feet and put your hands in the air. Or come down to one of these chairs in the front and find some time with Jesus. God is clear. I want to spend time with my people. The altars are open. Please respond how the Holy Spirit is leading you. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at the naz.church.